Long before Google or Siri or Alexa or Cortana, we lived in the days of hard-to-read, harder-to-fold maps. Those maps lived in the glove compartment of the car, and we only pulled them out when we had to go somewhere we hadn't been before. When I moved to St. Louis to go to college, I had a job selling printing for Brewer's Printing. My job was to get businesses to give me their letterhead or business cards, and we would give them a free quote on the printing. If we were cheaper than their printer, they save money, we make money, win-win. And the Brewer's were great bosses. They sent me around St. Louis to doctor's offices and mom-and-pop shops to sell them on Brewer's Printing. But I'm not exactly great with directions. In fact, I'm, I'm not even good. I'm not even bad. I'm really bad. So I bought a St. Louis, Missouri streets map, which showed me every street in the city. But the problem with a printed map is they're printed. There's no way to update them. Now, Google or Waze can tell you anytime a squirrel breaks down when it crosses the street, but not back in those days. That's why history calls those days the Dark Ages. As I was winding my way through St. Louis streets, a maze of one-way streets on and off the interstates, I came face-to-face with a directionally challenged driver's arch enemy, a closed road and a detour sign. Ha <laughs> don't, ha, don't be fooled. They look harmless, but detour signs are sinister. They laughed as I turned left where I wanted to turn right, and I begged for just one more sign to let me know I was still on the right road. Will this road get me where I want to go, or will this drop me in East St. Louis where I will never be heard from again? Thankfully, now we do have Google and Siri and ways to let us know where the detours are, but we didn't have them back in St. Louis. And they definitely didn't have them back in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Just ask Joseph right after this. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Detours on Simplify. Joseph was a 17-year-old high school junior who had a dream that one day his mom, his dad, and all 11 brothers would bow down to him. That's a pretty lofty dream. Besides his only baby brother, Ben, Joseph was the baby of the family. It was more likely to snow skittles than it was for his whole family to bow to Joseph, but he knew God gave him a dream. And whether right or wrong, whether he was excited or bragging or both, Joseph told the whole family his old dream. His brother's were not as excited as he was, and neither were his dad and stepmom. They let him know they weren't bowing down to him today, and let's see, yeah, tomorrow doesn't look good either. Now, I have an older sister. You don't win any points by telling your siblings, especially your older siblings, you're going to boss them around one day. But Joseph told them anyway because Joseph knew God gave him a dream. Joseph just knew God was going to take him from 17-year-old junior to 18-year-old boss. When he woke one morning, his brothers were already gone to farm the fields. Joseph came to breakfast. His dad had oatmeal on the table and a clipboard beside his bowl. He wanted Joseph to spy on his brothers, bring a report card back to him. Maybe when he ran out to check on his brothers, his brothers would bow down to him. That'd be a nice change. God gave him those dreams. Joseph had a destination, CEO of the Israel family. He just didn't have an ETA. Maybe that feature would come in the next app update. So Joseph bounded through the meadow with a special coat his dad had made for his special son, that would be him, hanging on his shoulders and his clipboard in his hand. He saw a group of ten or so men just over the next rise. He slowed his pace a little and daydreamed of where he'd go in life, what he'd be in life. Maybe he'd go to college, or maybe he'd start a college. He's pretty smart. 
Maybe he'll marry that cute brunette right across the street. He'll start a business with his brothers, and then in short order, he'll be giving orders to his brothers. But when Joseph reached his brothers, it didn't go quite like he thought. His brothers didn't bow. They didn't even smile. They nabbed him, ripped off that special coat Dad had made just for Joseph. He loved that coat. They hated it. They scoured the ground for a grave. Then they found the next best thing. They threw him in a dry well to die. Now, this isn't right. This wasn't on the map. If God knew this was going to happen, why didn't he show Joseph all the hazards on the rough road ahead of him? Joseph wondered if he took a wrong turn somewhere. Come on, I'm going to graduate at the top of my class. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to sing on the new CD. I'm going to get married. And that was his last thought before the thud. While lying face first, beaten up and bruised on the dry floor of a dusty well, Joseph surely thought, I'm not supposed to be here. God doesn't want me here. Where'd this pit come from? I'm a chosen child of God. My dad's going to be the father of the nation of Israel. I'm going to boss my family around. God gave me a dream. Maybe you've asked that. God, what's going on here? This wasn't on the map. This wasn't in the plans. I'm yours. You're mine. What's going on? I'm supposed to be in a palace, not in a pit. I'm the head, not the tail. You wrote that in your word, remember? But don't be discouraged when God detours us through the scenic route. Detours look like sickness, job loss, closed doors, car accidents, injuries, bankruptcies, broken bones, broken hearts, broken homes. Detours surprise us because they're never on our map, but they are on God's. He knows they're there, and He knows how to get us where we're going in His time, not ours. Joseph's brothers hated him so much that they ate their lunch right in front of him. Hey, Joseph, you want some of this sandwich? Well, you can have a bite. <laughs> you can have the whole thing. Just climb out of that well, and it's all yours. Hey, Joseph, is this what bowing down to you looks like? As they laughed about his dream, they heard wagons coming. <laughs> this day was only getting better. They got shekel signs in their eyes. Judah spoke up. He said, well, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. He is our brother after all. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Make him work for once in his silver spoon-fed life. We'll make money. We'll make him miserable. We can't lose. He can't win. They hoisted him out of the well. Whew, glad that's over. Only to sell him into slavery. Sorry, Joseph. It's just beginning. His brothers slung his special coat over their shoulders and schemed on a way they would tell their dear old dad that his favorite son was dead. When the caravan got to Egypt, the traders sold him to Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Joseph was not in control, but God was. And after a while, God showered Joseph with favor. He began climbing a ladder he didn't even know was there. His boss gave him free reign in the entire house. As Joseph climbed, his boss's wife noticed him. After her husband headed off to work one day, she tried to seduce Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph, and here's what made all the difference. Joseph was with the Lord. He refused her advances. In fact, he avoided her altogether. He wasn't flattered. He was insulted. One day, Potiphar's wife would not be denied, and she would definitely not be ignored. After she sent her husband and servants off to work, she and Joseph were alone in her palatial house. She cornered him. She grabbed him by his robe, and Joseph ran. But she still had his robe in her hand. He had ignored her, 
he had denied her, and now when she had him cornered, he had spurned her. Well, she had had it with this holier-than-thou Hebrew. As soon as her husband came home, she weaved a tearful tale of how Joseph tried to seduce her, and when she cried out for help, he ran. And then she ran to the closet and brought his robe. She still had the evidence to convict him. Joseph's boss was basically secret service for Pharaoh. He could have had Joseph killed. He was a Hebrew slave in Egypt. But Potiphar had Joseph locked up. And Joseph should have been applauded. Instead, he was imprisoned. But read a familiar refrain in Genesis 39, verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph. There in an Egyptian dungeon, knowing he did no wrong, but knowing no one would ever believe him, Joseph began climbing another ladder. Several times in Joseph's story, we read that remarkable refrain, the Lord was with Joseph. In a pit, the Lord was with him. Fresh off the showroom floor as a slave in Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him. In charge of Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him. And in prison for a crime he did not commit, the Lord was with him. That's what keeps us through all the detours. The Lord is with us. Somehow Joseph did not lose heart or hope or faith, and he did not give away his integrity. Through all the detours, the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph was with the Lord. Maybe you've heard this sinister statement, if God is with you, you won't be going through all this. But that's not necessarily true. I can tell you from Joseph's story because I've read it and from my story because I've lived it. Detours don't necessarily mean we're out of the will of God. And they don't mean God walked out. If we keep walking with the Lord, the Lord will be with us just as he was with Joseph. I was days away from my 17th birthday. I was driving an errand for my dad trying to get to the store before they closed. And a trooper turned on his blue lights behind me and stopped me for speeding in my 1986 Ford Escort station wagon. I didn't know the station wagon could even speed. Truth be told, I was pleasantly surprised. The officer took a look at my driver's license and remarked, Your name is Lloyd Harry? Yes, sir. Anyone ever tell you you can't trust a guy with two first names? I'm going to jail. Tell my mom and dad I loved them. But the officer was merciful. He gave me a seatbelt ticket, and I filed that under Stuff to Hide from Dad. The next day, I told my sister about my first run-in with the law. I have a record. And she told me that she got a seatbelt ticket, too. She had run a stop sign that week, and the police stopped her. But the officer was merciful and gave her a seatbelt ticket, and she filed that under stuff to hide from Dad. Now, that was on Tuesday, February 13th. We thought, Dad's outnumbered. He can't be mad at both of us. So we told him. That was Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, City of Mount Vernon. Here's 50 bucks. Now, Dad couldn't be too upset with us because he didn't wear his seatbelt but he didn't want to make a generous donation to the city of Mount Vernon either, so he figured he'd better buckle up. The next day on the way to work, he buckled up. That night on the way home from work, he was driving along State Route 546 near Fredericktown in Ohio. It was foggy, he was tired, and he fell asleep. And instead of making that 45-degree curve on the road, he just kept going straight and snapped a tree in two at about 45 miles per hour. But that night, He was wearing his seatbelt, and God and Dad's seatbelt saved his life. I don't know how God did all that. 
I don't know if he put the trooper behind me and the patrolman behind my sister, but however God worked it out, I'm thankful he was with us and he was with our dad. Don't be discouraged by the detours. They don't mean God walked out on us. They just mean we need to trust God more than ever because we don't know where we are going, but he does. And if we will trust him, he will take us from where we are to where we're going because the same God who was with Joseph will be with us. I would like to pray right now the Lord to lead you. If you're in a detour, if you're going through a season in your life you never planned for, did not expect, you got a diagnosis or the boss told you that your services are no longer needed, or maybe your husband or wife told you that this just isn't working or your kids ran away, whatever happened, I want to pray that God would give you strength and give you grace and help you to trust him that he will lead you exactly where he's taking you. Lord Jesus, I praise you today. You know the way we take. We don't. I thank you that you have never left us and never will, that you haven't walked out on us. No matter what we walk through, you are still with us. I'm asking you today to please minister to those who are listening. God, as they're dealing with all of the trauma and the tragedies that they're dealing with, whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing, God, please minister to them as they detour around all the the difficulties and the trials that they're detouring around. I ask you to please minister to them, be with them, let them know you are with them, and lead them. Lead every one of us where you are taking us, Jesus. We trust you. We do not know the way we take. We trust you to lead us where you want us to be. We love you and thank you and we'll never walk out on you. And no, you will never walk out on us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. Subscribe and share. I hope this episode's been a blessing. Share it with somebody who needs to hear it. And make sure to subscribe and you'll never miss any episode anytime it drops. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout and get 10% off your entire order if you've not already used the promo code before. And you can save 10% off of everything there, including 10 words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, and Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast nearly four years ago. You can get all those at PentecostalPublishing.com along with some other wonderful, great resources. Next week... I want to share with you a devotion called Forgetful and Fruitful. I want to continue and tell you the rest of the story of Joseph, and I'm looking forward to that. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.